there are many other ways in which I can die, but it's not going to be because of a... Uh, because of a Red Bull? Yeah, or off-brand Red Bull that I made at home. That makes it sound like I'm making, like, meth. <laughs> off-brand Red Bull meth. It's basically the same. So Sarah. let's talk about something that isn't related to any of this. Uh, I'm going to do another mini Minnesota murder mystery. These are some of my favorites. I thought you would enjoy. It felt like the right time to do one. I don't know if we introduced ourselves. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, this is after Nudified, or it was after Nudified. <laughs> if you're listening to this in the charred remains of your your home after the, the big one, this was after Nudified. If this is the last radio transmission you hear coming through the wasteland, um, <laughs> I'm Sarah. Wow. This is, it's going to be a mood tonight. All right. I think I'm Emily. This one's going up like mid-December, so who even knows what's happening before then? They're still counting votes. <laughs> All right. So, Minnesota Murder Mystery. My sources for this are Minopedia, the Pioneer Press, the Star Tribune, had to do both, to be fair. Uh, they're, they're, it's both our local papers. That's the joke. Um, and Did I you also say Minopedia? Minopedia? Like Minnesota Wikipedia? I think so. It the literal name of it is M N Opedia, so I okay. just assume that's how it's pronounced. I fuck if I know. <laughs> um, I also got a couple details from this blog post by a true crime author named Frank Weber. So, uh, I don't know where he got it, but you know what? It made the story more interesting. So it's a mini. These don't have to be factually accurate. <laughs> I'm 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 telling you a lovely story about a really terrible murder that's actually pretty gruesome. Anyway. So at 8.30 oh, in the morning, <laughs> oh, jeez, indeed. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, beans. Well, I guess get on with it then. <laughs> at 8.30 in the morning on March 6, 1963, Carol Swoboda Thompson, the mother of four and the wife of an upcoming attorney, was surprised by an intruder in her St. Paul home. The subsequent fight was brutal and bloody. Carol's face was battered by the butt of a pistol, and she was stabbed in the neck with a kitchen knife. Fuck. She did not have a good morning. Uh, somehow, through some godforsaken miracle, she was able to actually escape her house, stagger over to a neighbor's, and she was like so covered in blood that they didn't even recognize who she was. Uh, so she was rushed to a local hospital where surgeons removed a three-inch knife blade from her throat. God damn it. Yeah, this was not great. Um, and predictably, almost despite her doctor's best efforts, she did succumb to her injuries and died at the three hours later at the local hospital. She was 34, which is our age. Um, it's your age. <laughs> Shut up, Emily. Ma'am, please. <laughs> Don't ma'am me. Do, do you need me to get you to your chair so you can watch your stories? Nana? Sadie is Nana. I am <laughs> the cool aunt. <laughs> so Carol's murder shocked the entire Twin Cities. Like, this was not something that happened in St. Paul in 1963. It was almost unheard of in the Thompson's affluent neighborhood, which is actually my neighborhood. I'm not in the super richy rich part of it, but <laughs> not to triangulate. Yeah, um, people are going to know exactly where you are now. <laughs> so this is the thing. And I found this. I wanted to touch on this before we go any further. So this happened in Highland Park, St. Paul, which is kind of like on the southern end. I'm trying not to triangulate, but I mean, you can go look at a map. Um, <laughs> and of course, when I when I see anything that happened in Highland Park is like I immediately need to know exactly what house this is. Well, yeah. So I found the address because the newspapers all printed the address in those days. And uh, it was like 1720 Hillcrest, which is. A nice street full of nice houses. Uh, and I thought I recognized the address, and it's because just down the street is where Sarah Jane Olson of the Symbionese Liberation Army 
was found. Like she was one of the people who kidnapped Patty Hearst. And then oh, they found her. Bitches. They found her in Minnesota, LA, after like 30 years, just like chilling. She was a volunteer with the local Democratic Party. <laughs> wow. So she was literally right down the same block. Like they're in the 1700 block of Hillcrest Avenue, both of them. Not at the same time, but it's like, what the fuck is going on with this street? Anyway, <laughs> that that's my big tangent for this episode. <laughs> so Carol. Uh, back to Carol. She was an unlikely victim. Like the Pioneer Press described her as the prototypical early 1960s wife and mother. Like she was active in her church. She was active in the Scouts. She played bridge with her friends. She, she made a mean hot dish. I'm sure she did. She probably like just nailed it. Weighed 45 she- pounds. <laughs> Despite eating three pounds of tater tot hot dish every day. <laughs> so no, the yeah, hot it- dish weighed 45 pounds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's all that soup. It yeah, they they're it's it's a hefty meal. Uh we'll be posting a recipe for a tater tot hot dish on the Instagram. Will we? No. I should. <laughs> yeah, send them the one that you sent me. <laughs> I don't I don't I mean you can just Google tater tot hot dish. I, I wanna say like it was on like a an official state website, the recipe that you gave me. <laughs> Maybe it was no, I was gonna say it could have been like one of the winning hot dishes from our congressional delegation has a hot dish contest every year. It's Minnesota. <laughs> and they like pick a winning recipe. But they're usually like not like they're always like Minnesota hot dishes, but with like a twist. I don't know. Anyway. I put pepper in this one. <laughs> this one was seasoned. Oh, Mary Jane, that is too spicy. We can't have that here. No pepper. No pepper indeed. After the story, please tell the nice people about the man that you sent me the article about I'm earlier gonna, No, week. I'm going to tell. So <laughs> I got sent this from somebody. It was so from nearby my hometown, the town of Wilmer, which is like, it's a bigger, it's, I would call it a city compared to where I grew up. It was like where we went to go shopping for it's school. It's a town instead of a village. Yeah. Um, there was like a, uh, what do they call it? Like a police blotter. Yeah. But someone had called the cops because a restaurant served them food that was too spicy. And... Wilmer's got a fairly large immigrant community. Like, there's a lot of Hispanic immigrants. There's a lot of Somali immigrants because they have, like, a turkey plant. So that brings people in for the jobs. So I was like, so did he, like, get some ethnic food and was super offended by how spicy the ethnic food was? No, I looked up what <laughs> restaurant it was. <laughs> Just a regular, like, diner cafe. I, I honestly could not tell you what they serve that could possibly be spicy. I was just picturing the scene in Mrs. Doubtfire. At the end, when he puts pepper on Pierce Brosnan's food, <laughs> just like just the tiniest bit of pepper, and he starts choking. Like that's what I pictured. Yeah, that sounds about right from Minnesota. <laughs> anyway, so this is all just a lot of like local flavor, so you can really understand this horrible murder. But not murder. too much local flavor, or we'll have to call the cops. Yep. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the physical evidence, uh, the detect- the only physical evidence detectives were able to recover from the scene were like fragments of a pistol grip, which was later identified as being from a Luger handgun that had been stolen from a Minneapolis apartment uh, in April. So about like a month after the a month and a half later, mm-hmm. um, a Korean War veteran named Dick W.C. Anderson was arrested in connection with an unrelated robbery. Uh, Anderson not only confessed that he had stolen the Luger, but that he had been the one to kill Carol Thompson. So his story was that he had been hired by a guy named Norman Maestrian, who was a former boxer and like generally shady character. Uh, he, coincidentally or not, was a former client of T. Eugene Hobbs- Thompson, Carol's husband. Interesting. Uh, T. Eugene went by the name Cotton because 
it was the 60s. Of course. And he was a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) So Anderson claimed that the attorney had offered Maestrian 3,000 to kill his wife, Carol, and Maestrian, like, basically subcontracted the job out to Dick. That's a a long line of, like, that should be something that you just ask someone to do immediately. Like, there should be no subcontracting or, I'll call a guy. I got the impression from my reading that that wasn't the intent, that, like, Norman Maestrian had done hits before, and he had, like, actually, like, gotten him off on a murder charge. But he was busy that day, so he had to get someone... I think the idea was that, like, he was, he drew the line at killing, like, this just poor, innocent housewife, so he made someone else do it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the uh, the idea, though, was not that Thompson was going to go through this middleman. He, like, specifically had hired Maestrian, and Maestrian, behind his back, went and hired someone else. Because why not? Got someone to cover a shift. I get yeah. it. Okay. Essentially. So Thompson was a notorious womanizer, and though he had several girlfriends, he'd had a long-running affair with his secretary, Jacqueline. Like, this is just... It's so it's stereotypical. Like a movie. So apparently he really was determined to marry her. And it's the 1960s, so you can't get a divorce. So you got to go, you know, well, kill the wife. You can if you live on one of the godless coasts. <laughs> yeah. Not in St. Paul. In, no, definitely not. Uh, so over the years, Thompson had also taken out eight separate life insurance policies on his wife, totaling $1.1 million at the time of her death. And yes, I did the conversion. That's about $8.5 million in today's I feel money. like we should just stop doing life insurance at this point. Um, like, no life insurance policy should be anything bigger than, like, what it takes to cover the funeral. Right? I mean, I feel like maybe that should be, like, a government program. So we have universal he- health care, and then the government just foots the bill for funerals. Um, yeah. I, I'm w- working on drafting a bill. Work on that. Yeah. So... Though Thompson had hired it out, he was implicated as a mastermind behind the hit. Like, he had, like, done things like he gave away the family's dog a few weeks before the crime. Just, no, we don't want this dog anymore. Here you have it to, like, a neighbor. Uh, He also took out the phone in the bedroom that Carol could have used to call for help. So, like, he was clearly... Asshole. So, the plan ostensibly was that Anderson would hide in the basement and wait for Thompson to call his wife on the phone. And when she answered, he was supposed to, like, come up from the stairs and, like, attack her from behind. And then he was supposed to drown her in the bathtub and make it look like she'd just drowned. Not never happens. That never, ever happens unless it's the movie Garden State. Like, no one's drowning in their fucking tub. It's always murder. Also, like, a lot of things have to go right for you to get away with that real smoothly, you know? Like, oh, oh, here's a fun fact. Thompson had supposedly even left the bathtub full of water. This bitch. (laughs) I have to wonder, like what your wife thinks when she like goes into the bathroom and there's just like i would be mad i would be like you can't empty the like what the fuck are you doing that kind i have of to like, do this too hard denial is saved for like oh i bet he didn't drink the last dr pepper like no he wouldn't do that <laughs> that's where you save that kind of like hard denial yeah not like oh he oh the phone's gone oh bathtub's full he must have something he just didn't tell me about <laughs> Uh, it gets, it goes so much more wrong. So <laughs> the stairs apparently creaked on his way up. So Anderson, rather than like give away his position, I guess, he waited until she went upstairs, at which point he like followed her up, um, pretended he was about to rob her and like knocked her out. Uh, so then as he was attempting to drown her in the tub, she actually fought back and was able to wrestle free. So he tried to shoot her. The gun misfired. So he beat her about the face with the butt of the gun so intensely that the gun broke apart. Like, this is why they only found, like, pieces of the gun. And she still wasn't this woman. 
It's finally, made of steel. Yeah. Finally, going back to the kitchen, like downstairs, I would presume, going to the kitchen, grabbing a knife, and stabbing her over 50 times. And yet she still made it to the neighbor's house. Thinking he was done, Anderson went to the bathroom to wash the blood off his body, and by the time he returned, Carol had managed to escape to the neighbors. This woman is a tank. She, honestly, God love her, she, good, she fought back the hardest she could. So police were able to recover the remnants of the Luger along with Anderson's bloodstained clothing in a swamp north of the Twin Cities, and Thompson was arrested on June 21st at his family's cabin in Forest Lake. All right, well, that's very Minnesotan, but uh, other question. You guys <laughs> have is. swamps? I guess. I yeah. don't even know. I didn't look up, like, what are the swamps north of the Twin Cities? I'm sure it's just, I mean, we're also, like, I live right by the river bottom. It's swampy area yeah, I all guess, around. I guess there are, like, marshes and, and yeah. stuff. Wetlands and whatnot. I keep forgetting you're <laughs> close to the fucking Mississippi River. Don't triangulate. I've seen it. Like... <laughs> Like, I was in, when I was in New Orleans, I was looking at the room. It's like, damn, I'm so glad I got to see this. And I was like, no, I have seen this before. It was just framed <laughs> differently. Just all the way other end. Yeah. Thompson's six-week trial was held later that year and was, of course, a complete media circus. It was covered by all four Twin Cities newspapers, along with TV and radio. Uh, the National Saturday Evening posted a story and Life was going to do a feature on it. Uh, but then it was preempted by the assassination of John F. Kennedy in November. Of course, he had to go and steal the thunder. So Always my, stealing the spotlight from Minnesota. My question is, was William H. Macy there? Yes. In this uh, <laughs> in this TV movie, the role of T. Eugene Thompson should be played by uh, William H. Macy. Wasn't it, though? We'll get to it. The state based their case on the life insurance, the mistress, and of course the dramatic testimony of W or Dick W. C. Anderson, who, along with Maestrian, would later be convicted of first degree murder himself. So <laughs> poor Maestrian didn't do anything except hire this guy. I mean, that he still deserves I know that is like, a crime. <laughs> he still deserves like the first degree murder charge. Absolutely. I just find it funny that like he It's like, I don't want to do this. I don't okay. want to do this, but this you're gonna to Yeah. Yeah. He deserves it. Anyway, the defense attempted to paint a picture of Thompson as a loving and dutiful husband. Thompson took the stand himself. Uh, by all accounts, this didn't do him any favors. I was not able to find out why, but I imagine he just kind of came off as a dick. <laughs> yeah. After 12 hours of deliberation, the jury found Thompson guilty as charged, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, he was, of course, paroled in 1983 because rich white man. Well, yeah. Um, after two decades in prison. He would eventually remarry and settle once more in the Twin Cities. So he died in 2015 on his 88th birthday. So fairly recently, like this is not ancient history. Um, after his death, the Pioneer Press reached out to Thompson's oldest son, Jeff, who now serves as a district court judge down in Winona, which is kind of to the south. Jeff, who was 13 when his mother was murdered, said that he was convinced his father was guilty and that he and his two sisters had basically held, had like a family showdown with him after his release. Like they held their own kind of court case. <laughs> So the quote from him is, we sat down with him and gave him a chance to show us that he had been wrongfully, wrong, wrongly convicted. It was pretty clear during the course of that conversation that he wasn't going to be able to do that. After that, I didn't hear a whole lot of protest. I didn't bring it up again. I told him that if he wanted to admit and ask for an apology, I'd rethink my position on him. But otherwise, we were pretty much done. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, so, I def definitely wouldn't hang out with my dad if I thought he... Had my mom killed? No, I wouldn't be. He had, a, like, you can go read some of the articles. After his death, they, like, 
a lot of them go back and like get Jeff's take on it. And he like he is his own, he's a judge, so he sees like crimes come through the court every day, and he has this like weirdly zen opinion on it. Like even like something. Oh, there was some really better phrase that I'm gonna do it, but basically like sinners can turn into good people, and good people can turn into sinners. Essentially, like not everybody is the worst thing they've ever done. Was he the one whose headstone said every saint has a past and every sinner has a future? That sounds like, yeah, that sounds right. It's also the title of a, well, no, it's a lyric from a song by Ludo, which is a very good song. Can't remember what it's called right now, but. Yeah, no, that's definitely that. Yeah, that was the quote I was looking for and then didn't write down. So thanks for just knowing that off the top of your head. Just my knowledge of early 2000s pop punk. (laughs) Uh, So many do believe the crime was the inspiration for the movie Fargo. You there's some yeah, there's some parallels. Uh, the Coleman brothers have denied that it's based on any particularly true story, but like I just like the energy of how terribly the crime was bungled feels very Fargo to me. <laughs> hey, Frances McDormand was doing her goddamn best. No, not the investigation was bungled. The crime was bungled. Oh yeah, <laughs> the investigation seemed to go pretty slick. I mean, they had him arrested in like three months, um, which no, Frances be- McDormand would also do. But <laughs> yeah, just by herself. Woman is a hero. Um, no, I mean, it does sound like one of those those things where you, you draw on influences from a bunch of other, like, this might be true things. Like, uh, yeah. not The Exorcist, because that was actually a book that was based on whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get the impression, like, they probably knew about the crime and, like, that had some sway, I There's guess. There's always a kernel yes. of something real. Correct. Well, damn. I have nothing more, uh, nothing more to say. <laughs> That was a good I'm out of words. mini murder mystery. Happy to I help. Need, just need to get that <laughs> hot dish recipe. Yeah, we'll post something. It'll be... Okay, no, here, you want to make a tater tot hot dish? You need, like, a can of cream and mushroom. You need a bag of frozen mixed vegetables. Uh, some ground hamburger. You mix it all together. You put tater tots on hot. You cover it with... Tater tots on top. Cover it with cheese. That's pretty much it. And you it. bake it. No seasoning. Please. I mean... <laughs> Do you know how much sodium is in a can of cream of mushroom? <laughs> that salt is not seasoning. <laughs> it is in Minnesota. Salt is not seasoning. I mean, you could be a rebel and use pepper jack cheese, but that I might be I, a little too spicy for most Minnesotans. I want to say I, I did use pepper jack when I made it. I also did put pepper in it. Um, Heathen. And if you need a no. good recipe for a homemade cream of mushroom condensed soup so you don't die of a coronary, <laughs> I got that too. Go look Emily up on she's on Instagram. <laughs> All right, goodbye. See you guys. Bye. We love you. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to sobelowmedia.com. This this is as above so below. <laughs>